0: i uh-huh. uh-huh. Welcome back to the Coinetto Minute, the daily podcast where we review and reanimate the Zom rom-com, Shaun of the Dead, one minute at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez.
1: I'm Scott Corelli.
0: And joining us again, Ali Coluccio. Welcome back. Thanks. I'm happy to have you on. And uh, today we are taking a bite out of Minute 29, which starts with Morrissey and uh, ends with John trying to get Mary's attention. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so uh, we continue our channel surfing at the beginning
0: of this, and uh, we get uh, we get our our track of the week. So uh, the song where uh, where Morrissey says the uh, the line "Panic on the Streets of London" is uh, "Panic," the song by the Smiths. Um, yeah, so the uh, single "Panic" came out in 1986, attached to the album, uh, the third album, "The Queen Is Dead," and uh, following kind of the the pattern of, of other needle drops in the movie, Panic, is a, a song from English musicians about uh, times in English history where there was great uh, social upheaval or uncomfortableness. Uh, the, the song kind of bemoans the state of what uh, contemporary pop music was at the time, uh, even going so far as to say, quote, burn down the disco and hang the DJ in retaliation. And uh, a lot of people say that the song was kind of subtly written about uh, Wham, which was kind of on the top of the charts at the time. But uh, (laughs) history has been kind of both artists. I I say, but yeah, but I I think it's interesting. This was another song about, about British social unease.
1: So, so when I was in high school and I was, I was discovering all of this um, sort of like British pop music, Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, granted, I don't know if I I don't think I've ever mentioned this on this show before, but you know, The Cure is my favorite band of all time. And I was always told that like you can't like The Cure and the Smiths because like they hated each other, I guess, apparently. There was like some sort of weird rivalry there. It was like sort of like a weird, like British pop uh, equivalent of, um, like uh, Elvis and the Beatles, you know, that question, like, mm-hmm. do you like the El- Elvis or the Beatles? But like, I've always liked both the Beatles and Elvis. And I've always liked both the Cure and the Smiths, even if the Cure is my favorite band of all time. So I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, what what do you guys, where do you guys fall on that? Do you, do you prefer one to the other?
2: They're both guys in eyeliner singing about their feelings. True. So I'm not sure why I have to pick one over the other. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe maybe yeah, it's like yeah. you just had to be there
0: kind of thing at it the time. Of like, yeah.
2: It's a British yeah. thing and we're American and we just kind of don't care.
0: Maybe. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems it seems in my experience, like the girls that I like that listen to The Cure also listen to The Smiths. Mm, I yeah. like The Smiths or better like,
2: than I like Morrissey.
0: Oh, well, yeah. I feel, I, like, I feel
2: like that goes that. without saying, right? Yeah. and uh, In the same way John, that I like The Police a lot better than I like Sting. Sure.
1: Morrissey Morrissey uh, miss, is is missing Johnny Marr. I mean, I mean Johnny Marr brought a lot to the Smiths and a lot to Morrissey's. He's songs. a modest mouse now. Uh, I don't think he is anymore. I think he was. He uh, was for like an album or maybe two. No, no, just the one album. I think. Just
2: the one I album. thought you were going to say he was a modest mouse for like an hour. <laughs>
1: Oh, oh no. <laughs> Just an album. an album and a tour. the The tour that I saw Modest Mels on, Johnny Omar was their guitarist. Uh, but uh yeah, i I agree. I agree, definitely. Morrissey Morrissey using studio musicians is not nearly
0: as good as like Morrissey in the Smiths. Uh, yeah. definitely. Well, let me ask you this, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a different question. Which band do we think has the best film legacy, The Cure or the Smiths? Oh, Ooh. see, because when I think mm. of the Smiths, I think of like 500 days of summer, I think of this, to be honest. Like, how soon is now? I think of the craft, I think of charmed. Sure. Yeah, sure. The cure yeah, how has soon
2: now is, is in a lot of gothy things.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. the cure has oh the cure, has the crow, uh, yes. it has Ant Man, <laughs> it has, sure. yeah, uh. Funny. It has uh, well. It has just like heaven, the the Mark Ruffalo, uh, (laughs) the Mark Ruffalo movie. Oh my
2: God! Um, Who else was in that? That was a rom com.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it was Reese. Was it Reese Witherspoon and Mark Ruffalo? That Mm -hmm. seems. Wait, Reese Witherspoon is a ghost in this. Oh yeah. You have you never seen that? I don't think I have, and now I clearly need to. It was one of those wacky, uh, wacky, uh, like high concept romantic comedies. Like, it came out, I think, right around another Mark Ruffalo joint, uh, 13 Going on 30.
2: Oh, I love 13 Going on 30, though.
1: Yeah that's a sleeper it is just like heaven just like heaven's okay i mean it's not great i mean it's still like a dumb it's still like a dumb rom-com but like it's not it doesn't quite get elevated
0: to the level of 13 going on 30 but it's cute it's good it's fine i find that those movies their mileage depends on how much i enjoy watching those two actors Mm -hmm. yeah and how much of a
2: chemistry they have with each other too Uh uh-huh
0: What's the one with What's the one with Paul Rudd and Eva Longoria, where Eva Longoria
1: is a ghost? I don't. I that's something different. I think that has a different dynamic. But it's I don't know. There was a lot of rom coms with ghosts. Um, weird, but so only weird. one rom com with zombies. Am I right, guys? No, that's not true. <laughs> Zombieland mm-hmm. is a kind of a romantic comedy. <laughs> I feel like this is more of a rom com than
2: Zombieland, though.
1: Yeah, that's true. Although. You know, what's interesting about, about the rom-com element of this, it's atypical, you know, take the zombie stuff out of the equation. It's interesting that it's about a breakup and then them getting back together. You don't see that a lot in romantic comedies.
2: I feel like. I, I feel like, well, it's, I mean, it's the second chance trope of a rom-com and or romance. Okay. I read a lot of romance novels. Um A lot, a lot. Um, But I feel like rom-coms are are similar. So it's, I mean, it's definitely the second chance romance kind of thing, except normally it doesn't start there. It's usually like, like you'll have an establishment of like, they were a couple and then they broke up. That's like... Mm. Prologgy. Yeah.
0: It's usually it's usually more time, doesn't it? Doesn't right. it seem yeah. like, like they dated a year ago yeah. or they haven't seen each other in ten
2: years. Yeah, like they dated a while ago and now, you know, it's not usually like we just broke up and now we're getting back together.
1: Or it's the thing where they are exes and then at the right. start of the movie the guy comes and is like her new boss and it's like, Uh oh yeah. <laughs> what's oh my ex yeah. is my boss. Okay, I see. I see what you mean. It's yeah. Like,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, no, a Gerard Butler's a bounty hunter, but now she's got a bounty hunt
1: his ex girlfriend. Oh man, rom coms got bad in the mid nineties. I, f- I always
0: forget. No, I
2: feel like what that's now that's like late to, that's like twenty ten.
0: Yeah, that was like a Gerard Butler oh, yeah, and Chris
2: Pine, right? And it's Reese Witherspoon.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Jennifer Aniston.
2: Oh.
0: Oh, Jennifer oh, Aniston. Okay. You're thinking of this means war yes. with Tom Hardy, Chris Pine, and <laughs> Reese Witherspoon.
2: How did I get Gerard Butler and Tom Hardy mixed up? Wasn't that wasn't that a Mick joint that movie? Yeah, I think it was. Uh,
1: all right. Well, uh, the let's see. So okay. So back to the minute. Uh, we only got as, <laughs> we literally only got as far as the first second of the minute. Um, <laughs> the the, the, the Mor- Morrissey will derail everyone, including his own tour. Um, so 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 uh we we continue through um you know the channel surfing and uh after after Sean is interested with uh what's going on there we reveal that Ed is in fact in the curtain
2: saying there's a girl in the garden. I like that he's like completely wrapped up in the curtain. Yeah. It, it, it's so
0: childlike it is.
2: <laughs> well, isn't this, isn't this a reference to something
1: him being wrapped in the curtain like that? I'm sure it is. I feel like it must be, but I, I tried looking up what this was in reference to, and I couldn't find anything specifically in my using, you know, Google foo. Uh, but <laughs> I, I feel like I remember this being a reference to something. I just don't, I don't remember what it is. Um, but in any event, uh, yeah, I, I also love that Sean sits down and is like, oh, where's Ed? I can't find him. And he's like this giant, like, you know, this giant Hulk well, of a guy. Like, it's
2: just. And I wonder. In a curtain. It's funny because you said, like, it's childlike, because it is. Like, you can picture, like, a small kid, like, just wrapped in the curtains. And what makes it yeah. so hilarious is that Nick Frost is not a small person. <laughs> right, right, right. But he's like playing hide and seek. still manages to get completely wrapped.
1: I actually, I love the idea that Sean goes and gets the Cornetto and and Ed is like, oh, I'm going to play a trick on him. I'm going to hide in the curtain. I'm going to jump out and scare him. And then in the process of doing that, he sees Mary in the garden. (laughs) And then just stays in the curtain, wrapped in the curtain. It's a really interesting way to do this because I can imagine writing this scene and feeling like we have to have an excuse for one of them to find Mary in the garden, (laughs) you know, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like we got to figure out like, why, why would they, why would they see her? Like, how would they, like, what would make them go in, in the garden and, and see Mary and, and here they're just like, Oh no, he's just in the window staring at her.
2: (laughs) But I also like that there's kind of the thing And I feel like this is a running thing that happens in the movie where Sean is about to uncover information that's kind of important and then gets distracted by a shiny object. Like, so he's flipping through the channels (laughs) and, um, and this is one of my favorite bits in the movie where, and I know it's technically scripted, but I just love the way that it all, it just feels very Edgar Wrighty the way that it all, Mm -hmm. you know, cuts perfectly. Like you can channel surf and get the entire narrative. And he starts listening to the news where it's like all the attackers appear and he clicks the channel and is like dead excited. Um, but then he goes back to the newscaster to be like, wait a minute, this sounded like it might have been important. Uh, and as soon as he starts to like try and pay attention to what's happening to like the larger world or sphere, you know, like what's happening outside of his little Sean bubble. it's just like, there's a girl in the garden. Yeah. Yeah, it's just every time that they're they're possibly trying to get some information that could lead to some good decision making. Right?
1: No, it, it's it's well. What's really funny is that it's it's sort of like he's about to get information about the world at large, and Ed, who has notoriously uh, like throughout the the movie so far, and as people have discussed throughout Sean's life, like since he's known him stops him from growing
2: yeah you know like he's about to
1: learn something and become like you know he's about to about to take a step into a larger world and Ed is like actually look (laughs) there's there's this other thing uh and it's i don't know that's interesting i really like that and i like that you called ed a shiny object because he's the shiniest of objects he is. So I do have a question for our British listeners. Um, are are do you guys do you call call it a garden instead of a backyard? Is that yeah, they do. Oh, interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, they say garden, they don't say backyard.
1: Interesting. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Cause I that is one thing that's always confused me, is like he calls it a garden and, and there's no garden there. And I'm like, what? <laughs>
0: what garden?
2: Yeah, I-
1: what garden? <laughs> Yeah, and that's just because like in America we we specifically when we think of a garden, we specifically think of like a thing, like a, like a like a space where we grow like
2: where we grow plants. Yeah,
1: grow plants, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, whether that's a community garden. Yeah, whether that's like flowers or like fruit or veggies mm-hmm. or whatever, but we're growing we're like growing something on on purpose or weed, I guess. Yeah. With um, intention. Yeah. We, yeah, exactly. Growing something with intention. Um, more than just like grass, but yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it's um, a solid backyard though. I mean, yeah, no, it is. It really yeah. is. Uh,
2: it's a really great apartment. I mean, I'd sleep on the couch there for a couple of years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I five. get Ed. I get him. I understand. I get Ed. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, now we go outside and, uh, we, we start a, uh, I mean, arguably one of the most famous sequences in this movie. Mm. which is, yeah. you know, the, the Mary in the garden sequence. Uh, it's really interesting. I, I also just love, I, I love this feeling of, you know, Ed telling Sean, there's a girl in the garden and like his reaction to it. And like Ed sort of incredulous. He's a little, t- ex- he's a little excited. It's, like, yeah, dude,
0: you're never going to believe this. Yeah. It's,
1: <laughs> it feels very real. Like, Mm-hmm. If there was just a random person in my backyard, just like hanging out, I w- yeah. I would be like, that, "There's a there's someone out there." Like that's <laughs> super weird, right? Like it's just mm-hmm. it's just such a weird thing, especially if they're not doing anything. Yeah, yeah, she's just kind of like swaying. But I I also like how she holds herself. It, it she's just a little off. Like her posture is just like a yeah. little strange. It's it's uh it's really good. I don't know. They, they did a good job of like training the, pe- the actors playing zombies, like how to, you know, kind of stand weird and, and walk weird. And I don't know, they do a good job where, whereas like, I almost think they're a little too uniform on like the walking dead where it just feels like every mm-hmm. zombie moves exactly the same way. Uh, I like that. Everyone is a little different in this movie.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, like well, you, you really remember the zombies in this one, which is it, it's kind of the 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 secret ingredient to any you know proper zombie movies. How memorable are your zombies? Mm-hmm.
1: I guess that's it. I mean, they're you know they're standing in the backyard calling out to this
0: the girl in the garden. Yeah, and we do you want to learn more about the girl in the garden tomorrow or today? Yeah, let's wait till we see her face. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. But in the meantime, you could go to uh, www.moviesbyminutes.com. guys. Ali Scott, listeners, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of movies by minute podcasts. Uh, there's more every day. There's uh, there's more to be made too. Uh, I'm sure that there's like you know there's not a uh, there's not a practical magic minute.
2: <laughs> could do that. The hats in Just, that movie are fabulous. I I I really love the idea
1: that every time you bring up movies by minutes. Like you think of a movies by minute podcast that couldn't possibly exist. I like the idea that you were like, I'm going to dare them. you're going to dare them to do a magic practical magic. That doesn't magic. exist.
2: Yeah. Oh, oh, they should do I, a Brid- Bridget Jones. That. There needs to be a Bridget Jones one. Although, um, oh, yeah. I, don't uh, I, Jones. I, I think you have to stop after the first one. I don't think you do the second and third movies. Ooh, Scott loves the third one.
1: I do love the third one.
2: Is it? I haven't um, seen
1: it. Oh really? Oh, it's good. Bridget Jones's Baby,
2: I haven't. Oh yeah.
1: Mm. Bridget Jones's Baby is solid. Yeah, like really, really solid. Yeah. yeah, and I will say, Edge of Reason is is definitely the weakest of the three, and it's a big jump down from the first one. Yeah, but I don't. It, I felt like it wasn't as bad as I remembered it being when I revisited it before Bridget Jones's baby.
2: So, so Scott, what you're saying is that we need to do a Bridget Jones' Minute.
0: <laughs> so I, I, do, I do love the Bridget Jones movies. After Spider-Man. We'll it after Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, there you
1: go. Uh, Anyway, Bridget Jones' Minute. Uh, coming soon, I guess.
2: Um, <laughs> Verbally incontinent spinster who drinks like a fish. Smokes like a chimney and dresses like her mother. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so much.
1: Oh, that's a magical. Yeah, you should you should check out Bridget Jones's
2: baby. That's a magical.
1: Solid. All right. Solid. All right, that's it. Let's have a nice cold pint and wait for all this to blow over.
0: Bye.